From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm Brett Rutherford in for William Haynes tonight, and we have got a packed show in store. Florida State baseball took two of two from TCU over the weekend and looked to be on their way to a three-game sweep before Mother Nature turned Sunday's game into a no contest. One and only one Florida State football player was taken in this weekend's NFL draft. The conference semifinals of the NBA playoffs are now underway, and the puck is dropping in the first game of hockey's Stanley Cup playoffs as we speak. <laughs> we get that ESPN music beautiful, back, too. Beautiful, beautiful. Sitting to my right is WCTV sports director and former host of Tomahawk Talk. It's Ryan Kelly. And, Ryan, glad to have you back in studio. And not only do we get to talk about sports tonight, but I do want to ask you, what was your initial reaction when Tallahassee won that Twitter poll for a new cookout location? <laughs> So here's the thing. What a brilliant strip of marketing by those folks, because you're not going to put out towns and you're not going to put out names without clearly planning to open right, restaurants right. in all four of those places. But civic pride is civic pride, darn you. Yes. And so you're going to wave the flag. And here's the thing. Cookout's great. No, I'm not here to endorse anything or sell anything. But as someone who works in local news and works a nightside shift, from about 2 to midnight, the the weird, um, I, and especially now that things are more normal, and, and here's the thing, this was happening even before the pandemic, even before COVID hit. More and more places in this town are closing at 10 p.m. It's the worst. It is, and it's even happening with the folks near campus, with the students. I, I don't know how they're doing it now, cramming and putting together stuff when, you know, not every coffee place is open till 2 in the morning. I, I, I don't get it, but... All that being said, having an option that is open till four in the morning, that is a win for yours truly. That is a win for those of your late night news people. I will take it. Yeah, no well, matter how far away they put it, because let's face it, they're putting it in your campus. And, and the, which is a win for most of you listening. I'm a, I understand that. The location, though, is important because there's a, a chicken establishment going in on that, that, pla that Target Plaza on West Tennessee and High Road, and that plaza's already just absolutely Listen, insane. Listen, raising in canes, of. whatever, good for them. I personally despise anyone trying to infringe on Guthrie's turf. That's just me talking. You and Luke, no, you and Luke, they both. Don't 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 be coming in here trying to. I've had Kane. Shaq's coming in here too. There's another chicken spot. Yeah, there's a chicken. There's Lindy's out of town. Lindy's just closed their location. Well, Lindy's on is North still Monroe. there on South Monroe. Yeah, you, you've still got Lindy's on South Monroe. Right. So, right. so you, Lindy's ain't Lindy's ain't going nowhere. No, but the other thing, more so than like getting the cookout, was beating Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, Louisville, Kentucky, who has. Uh, who, uh, boy, they waved the flag, didn't they? And how, how, why would anyone want to put anything in Tallahassee, Florida? Why would anyone want to put anything in a city whose claim to fame is trying to be more like Ohio than Kentucky? <laughs> and, and they were the like, views expressed on Tallahassee. The Facebook comments, they were like, well, have you looked at the Facebook comments? No, it's a Twitter poll and you yeah. lost. Yeah, this was our poll, <laughs> you lost. I, I'm enjoying the rivalry that's brewing. We saw it kind of, you know, hit a, por a point where. You know, you've got Trent Forrest dunking on Jordan Noir here at the TLC Double C. You've this got a baseball team that can't beat us no matter what. Exactly. You could, the 27 Yankees could dress in red <laughs> and black and they couldn't beat Florida State. That's why I'm begging you, Coach. Mike, let's get it together. Yes, Scott Satterfield is a bum. Let's beat this guy. Let's do this this year. It's a Friday night in Louisville. Let's have a little bit of fun. I mean, if, if Florida State wins five games this year, but one of them is against the Louisville Cardinals, is that a successful season? No, it's not. <laughs> not at all. But, but you know what? 
it makes it feel a little better going down. It definitely makes it feel would. a little better going down. That little spoonful of sugar. <laughs> and making his Tom Hawk debut to my left. He is one of the voices of the Tallahassee Community College Eagles. He's been working with me on uh, baseball and softball broadcasts and as a public address announcer all season long. It's Andrew Larkin. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brett. I'm glad to be here, and I would just like to kind of go back to that chicken discussion real quick. Raisin Cane's is worth all of the hype and all of the discussion. It is. I, it's that great, good. but it's not Guthrie's. I'm, I'm okay with a Raisin Cane's being in town. Like, let me I'm, I'm fine with it, but I don't, I don't like where it is. That, that well, position yeah. is there for one reason and one reason alone, and that's war. <laughs> this is true. That's war. This is true. And that Target parking lot, like Brett said, is truly the most brutal place to drive in town. Hey, you've got two Chick-fil-A's already on that little strip. How do you close down Coliseum and make the parking worse? <laughs> in, in that, I, I get that probably flies over some younger folks' heads because I'm getting old. I, I found that out today when the Instagram uh, thing came out. And it was like, legendary Brent and Ryan. And I was like, legendary is just a nice way to say old. So, I mean, will it age you even more that I wasn't even here when Coliseum oh was my here? God. I think I was the year right after. Oh. Yeah. I can feel the calcium deposits <laughs> forming. The arthritis is kicking in. All right, gentlemen. I think I think we got to jump right into this thing. NFL draft this weekend. And, oh, you know, my. ultimately, I, I think it was like an uneventful draft relative to previous drafts. But we've got a fan of the team that was on the clock all offseason up to this point. And, uh, Ryan, your, your Jacksonville Jaguars come away with Trayvon Walker out of the University of Georgia, defensive end. Just got reaction. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. That's a <laughs> that's a pick that happened. Because, you know, a, a friendly reminder for all the futility of Jacksonville throughout uh, a good portion of our almost 30-year existence, Jacksonville, until last season, had never had the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Even the 95 expansion draft. Jacksonville was number two because we flipped a coin and Carolina got the pick. <laughs> worked out well because we have an NFL Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli. That's why that all worked out. But regardless, last year's the easiest no-brainer pick regardless. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you thought he was overrated, Trevor Lawrence had to be the guy for a team that needed a franchise quarterback. Number two, I get it. This is not a sexy draft, per se. It's not full of skill players and wide receivers and quarterbacks. Well, it was full of them in the later rounds. But it was not full of cannot-miss prospects there. And on top of that, you didn't need a quarterback. But the problem is... No one else wanted any of those quarterbacks, so there were no phone calls to be taken. You were going to be in that number one pick. So sitting there is Aiden Hutchinson. I'm not going to lie. He's not my favorite prospect on planet Earth. I was certainly concerned that he had uh, no impact in that Orange Bowl against Georgia. Uh, I was certainly impressed by what an impact he made against another loaded team in Ohio State. So kind of seems like a guy that at very least is going to be a decent player for you on the end. You have a guy in Evan Neal who, you know, you're trying to protect your franchise quarterback. Maybe you could go get that dude. And by the way, you could get him for a lot cheaper on a rookie contract than you could ever agree to an extension with Cam Robinson, who is a good but not elite tackle. So instead, at number one overall, whenever you've got the project on the board, who your general manager admits is rough around the edges and needs some work and... You know, we really think he can turn out to be a good player. Anytime you can take that guy at first overall, yeah, that's the guy you got to take. And listen, that's no disrespect to Trayvon Walker, who seems like a nice guy, seems like a good kid, and is obviously freakishly athletic. Mm. But that's not the guy you take at number one. 
that's the guy you maybe trade back in if you really believe in him, and you take him, you know, mid-teens, mid-twenties. That's the guy you maybe take where you actually took Devin Lloyd. And but it's not the guy you take first overall. I had never, like, I hadn't seen Walker that high up on, on any boards. And, again, teams' boards look way different oh, than absolutely. what you see on ESPN right. or any other site. Uh, but to see him Ask go Jermaine number Johnson, one. Oh, that's oh, that is definitely true. We'll get to him in a second. <laughs> uh, but to see Walker go number one, I was like, well, you know, if that's the guy they like, that's the guy they like. Evan Neal, though, right there. And the, the, just the way I view football, like you said, you'd have him and Trevor Lawrence right. on relatively cheap contracts for the next few years where you can then build and bring in those pieces to go on a, 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 another playoff run. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is one of those things where apparently – for about two weeks leading up to it, the Jacksonville folks, the insiders, kind of knew that Walker was Balky's guy. It sounded like maybe Shad wanted Hutchinson, and maybe Peterson wanted an offensive dude, which some reports had him tied with Iki Aquano, who honestly didn't impress me much. Mm. So I'm actually kind of happy that happened. That didn't happen because Luke Jokel 2.0 it just sounds like something that my heart couldn't take. But uh, all things equal, it seemed like it was trending that way. And even then, when the pick's still made, you're just still kind of sitting there in disbelief going, really? I mean, okay, I, I, I guess. I mean, it wasn't quite as bad as some Cleveland Cavaliers first-round picks, but it's, it's certainly not. <laughs> the Anthony Bennett's of the Yeah, way. the Anthony. See, I knew you were going to say Bennett because I knew his first name was Anthony and couldn't fill in the last name <laughs> for the life of me. So I just threw that out there so someone fill in the blank. Thank you very much, Brett. Uh, but, yeah. It felt like one of those picks where you really had to go with an O-lineman right there, in my opinion. It felt like you just went and got out and you got Trevor, and one of the biggest flaws of this past season was him just getting killed. Yeah. That, that's how I saw it as a non-Jaguars fan. Well, part of that, you know, and, and I'm willing to give a little bit of a pass to the offensive line. You do upgrade the offensive line. You go out, you get a very good center out of right. Kentucky, uh, which you need because Brandon Linder has retired. But uh, when you take a look at all of this, that offensive line wasn't done any service by last year's play calling, which was abysmal. Mm. It wasn't done any service by the fact that the head coach doesn't want to play your best running threat. Um, it's, it's so hard to judge the Jags on a scale because over the last 10 years, I can say, hey, you know, we had a couple bright points here and there, but where are we going to? But Urban is just such an abject failure. Yeah. The tenure is such an abject failure, despite knowing you had a couple decent pieces here and there. The one thing I will say overall that's disappointing that objectively, no matter how you view last season in a prism for Jacksonville, you have to get better at the receiver position. Mm. I get Christian Kirk is going to be a pretty good player for Jacksonville, but is he the guy that you definitively want to say in three years, that's our number one dude? Is Christian Kirk really that guy? Do you have a tight end that can catch the football that you know is going to stay healthy? I know you signed Evan Ingram, but, I mean, that, that guy's a walking boo-boo. Like, I mean, always has how, how has that Band-Aid endorsement deal never happened for him? Like, <laughs> so it, there's just too many questions on offense, especially when you've got James Robinson who's right. coming off injury, and Travis Etienne, we still don't know what he'll be at the professional level right? with a list front injury. And I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. You know, last year was such a, especially with Urban Meyer being Urban Meyer and, and all the antics, all the side shows that you'd heard about from that locker room. It's, it's very hard to kind of get a pulse on that team, and especially Trevor Lawrence, because he wasn't able to really be his 
fullest potential with all the side drama and and angles going on with that so i think uh you give him another year, you, you give him this offensive line, you give him that wide receiver core, go out and get a few more guys and see what happens there, especially in the AFC South. Ryan, I've got one more question for you because our team's made a trade later they that did. evening. Uh, Bucks trade out of the first round. They're able to get Logan Hall at the top of the second round. Yeah, it was it was the all Jaguars show as far as the state of Florida in the first round. I mean, that just, uh, on the surface with the picks that the Bucks got back, with the way that trade ended up, that feels like a win for the Bucks. I'm also, at the, I'm also at the point where, like, I don't, like, the Bucks won the Super Bowl two years ago. They won the division last year. I don't care about the, dra the draft nearly as much as I had to in recent years. A lot of the metrics say that the pick itself was equal. And here's the thing. I like the Devin Lloyd pick. I do kind of hate that he's in his mid-20s. But other than that, you know, he's a great player that's going to play right away as a rookie, a Miles Jack replacement. And all indications were that New England was going to take okay. him. And... So you go up, you get the guy you want. That's why I think they went in there. And Trent Baalke even said at the beginning of the night, they said, we're probably not done, so just stay tuned. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, when when uh, I think it kind of confirms the suspicion that that was the guy New England wanted, when out of nowhere uh, Bill blinks and takes Cole Strange out of UT Chattanooga, a guard yeah. in the first round. Yeah. Here's the thing about Bill Belichick, though. that I He think... never drafts well. Whoa, now. Hold on. Hold on. I, I Hold on. Bill Belichick is indeed a questionable drafter. I will give you question. He, over the last 20 years, the amount of hits to misses that he has produced from drafting, the ratio is just off the charts. I mean, Dante Hightower, Julian Edelman, uh, Tom Brady. Are we familiar with him? Are we familiar with... It took him six rounds to take him. You're right. And it <laughs> took... And that's about how many rings he won with New England as well. Fun fact. I mean, it, Bill Belichick's draft skill is questionable for sure, but in the most recent history, I can't look at it and be upset with anything. I'll put it oh, that no. way. I'll put it that way. No, I, I think everybody did what they had to do, and, I mean, you now have a quarterback investment to protect. It's not like Teflon Tom, who, outside of one real brutal injury halfway through his career that ended up being nothing to no. his career in the long term, uh, was managed to stay healthy through just about anything. Exactly. I mean, it is strange though. After trading Shaq Mason to the Bucks, mm -hmm. that now the Patriots have a hole at guard themselves, and they think Cole Strange can fill that hole. And I'm not saying that he can't, but in in that part of the draft, like I don't know, he probably makes it back around to to, to day two. He was projected third round. Um, and and again, yeah, that's the that's the thing. I, and I will say, like, it's different when you say, all right, the Patriots got their guy when. Like you said, a coaching staff in a front office that is most most of the time untrustworthy. It's different than when like Trent Valky and the Jaguars are like, "We got our guy." Absolutely. And you're like, "Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I like your guy." Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not I sure don't, your don't guy's think much be of good. anybody yeah. outside of maybe some Georgia fans who live in North Florida and South Georgia, the <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Savannah, the Savannah Duval right. County market. Um, not sure there are many of them that are thrilled. Like we right. have a uh, my buddy Chris who works in creative services in our office came up to me today and was like, "Boy, they sure did draft a lot of bulldogs in this draft." He's a he's a diehard Georgia <laughs> fan, and it just took everything in me to say, "Yeah, yeah, they did, <laughs> they did." It was great. I mean, it was a great day for Georgia. A lot of great players went right. to great homes. I'm just yeah. not completely convinced Trayvon Walker's that guy. Oh, and then I, I hope he is. Good luck to him. And that's a great point that you bring up, Brett, about trusting your front office because and it does kind of circle back to what you said about how the Jaguars or, or what the Bucks uh, when they draft, how you don't 
these last recent years, you don't really have to worry about that too much because, you know, you're, you're satisfied with your season, you know, and it doesn't really mean all that much, especially because of the pick and where you're at. I've felt like that for, for quite a while now with the Patriots, which is very nice. Uh, I still pay attention nonetheless, uh, you know, and getting Mac Jones was one of the greatest successes. We also drafted Jimmy Garoppolo before that, if we want to talk big-name QBs. Uh, but the Patriots... That's debatable. I mean, he's a giant starting quarterback now. Yeah. I mean, Con conference champion. Uh, and the yeah. face of Subway. People <laughs> forget yes. about that. People do forget. Get the new gabagool sandwich. He yeah. can be the face of it's a lot Subway. of different things. That is his face. So mentioning That's Bulldogs, true. there is one former Bulldog turned Florida State Seminole that was drafted in the first round. And I want to start this by saying, like, Ooh. huge hit out of the transfer portal mm. to get a guy to come in, start, be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in his first season in the league, and then be drafted in the first round. However, 26, a little lower than I think. Uh, there was a lot of Jermaine Johnson steam going into the draft. He performed great. At the, uh, at the senior bowl game and at the conference, and he was even getting mocked into the top ten at Got one point. to the Jets at four the day yes, of. Yes, exactly. Awesome. And he ends up going to the Jets, but back at 26. First off, Ryan, like, to have a guy come in, and, well, we, we can talk about the recruiting implications, and I know in, there's been some swings and misses in recent weeks here in Tallahassee, but how important is that to have a guy come in via the transfer portal for Mike Norvell and company to then go in the first round of the NFL Oh, it's draft. gigantic. Oh, the, the fact that, hey, this is still a place to put you in the league. Hey, I mean, and he did it on a 5-7 and seven ball club, on a quote-unquote rebuilding team. A guy goes first round, and like we said, going night of, there's literally top five hype around this dude. He's going to be a great player for the New York Jets, who... I'm sure we'll get to this in a second. Crushed the first round of this draft. Absolutely. Absolutely smashed the Absolutely. first round of this draft. But, I mean, Jermaine is a guy who was focused on getting better. He was focused on getting time. And whether you like the transfer portal, whether you hate the transfer portal, whether you think it needs regulation, regardless of what it is, this is the reality we live in now. Mm. And to sell that to any recruit of, hey, listen, I can't necessarily sell you an ACC title or a national championship right now. But you know what I can sell you? I can still sell that you're going to play for Florida State. There's going to be millions of eyeballs on you. You're going to play a game against Clemson. You're going to play a game against Miami. You're going to play a game against Florida. There's a great chance one of those is going to be prime time, no matter what our record is. And I'm going to give you a chance to play Power 5 football, mm. start right away, and make an impact. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I can prove it. This guy went in the first round of the draft when literally no one knew his name outside of some Georgia fans and... Uh, you know, recruiting nerds a, a, yeah. a year ago. Like, a guy who just a few years before that was in JUCO right. fighting to mm -hmm. make it in yeah. D1. Like, come on. Like, yeah. what a sell. And on top of that, a high character, high-class kid, any of those reports about, well, there were, he did an interview well, then I want to know who's interviewing this guy. Yeah. He was first class his entire time in Tallahassee. was great to deal with with us. The coaches won't shut up about him. They won't say enough nice things about him. I mean, crushed it, deserves it. Congrats to Jermaine. And he, and he didn't treat this like a, a one-year stop in Tallahassee no. to get to the NFL. No, he immediately brought on a leadership role. Yeah, Absolutely. and bought in. And, and the things he said about the university since the season has ended, and said about Mike Norvell and that coaching staff and this program, that in itself is a recruiting tool. 
hopefully moving forward, hopefully there's less swings and misses, and hopefully this this staff is, is here long enough to put plenty of more guys in the first round. But, I mean, also, I'm just really excited to see him play on Sundays. I think the, the speed, the explosiveness he has off the edge, that is something that, that really trans, translates well in today's NFL. And, and like you guys were saying, the, the Jets really killed it in this first round. They absolutely did. And it's hard to do that, especially, you know, in, in perspective to where the Jets are at in that division and how hard that division is. It's hard really to see a point with them, especially coming off of last year. But I feel like if you're a Jets fan, you come off of this draft and you look and you say, you know what, we might actually be able to snag maybe second, maybe second, maybe a wild card spot in the playoffs. Something magical happens in New York, you know, who knows. But they really did get a lot of great guys that can change the face of that franchise, I think. Jermaine being the top one for me, in my mind. Because for them, defense is something that you just keep getting walked all over. And yeah, it doesn't help that, you know, their quarterback could go out there and throw three picks to, to someone, literally anyone. And often a defensive lineman could catch an interception off a Jets quarterback. But I think it's huge for the for Jermaine Johnson and that Jets defense, especially because you know, going against New England twice a year, Miami twice a year, and uh, Buffalo twice a year, putting pressure on Josh Allen, Mac Jones, and Tua for a good part of your season gives you a chance to at least sneak some of those big games out. Can I just say I am very much here for the wide-open AFC East? I am, too. I, I, I love it so much. I after, am, too. After two decades of foregone conclusions uh, as a football fan... Absolutely. To, to, ...to see, I mean, let's face it, a division that outside of the NFC East has some of the most historic franchises in the game Yeah. outside of that and probably the AFC North, NFC North. So, like, fourth fourth most historic division? Yeah, growing up, Great. for me, it was always, you know, I say that. It was not a doubt. We, we, we rolled, I rolled out of bed. I would watch the NFL season unfold, and I would blink, and we'd win the division. That's what it felt like. With that being said, if it's so wide open, and the Jets have no chance of like creeping to the top of this division. With, no, not right now. With the situation they've got at the quarterback position, like I, I know he was a rookie, and I'm very much like give rookie quarterbacks time. But Zach Wilson, like there are already question marks coming out of the draft uh, with his size and with some of the other skills. And I know that that was a terrible, terrible football team last year that he had to play on. I am not convinced that they'll be able to catch up to what's going on in New England, what's already been going on in Buffalo, and what Miami's building as a still a two-a believer. I would love to counter this is exactly what people were saying, myself included, about Josh Allen after his first season. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Fair enough. I, I don't see them getting the being the punching bag of the East as much as they were in the past. I'll and put I it agree that with way. that. Yeah, I'll I, put it that way. I, I, my, my thoughts are that they're just behind the eight ball. Yes, they had a great draft. If they had done this a year ago, Maybe maybe they you know put bring in a few more pieces for this season. Maybe they're in there for the wild card mix. Now you've got the the expanded playoffs, but uh, I think it's tough because there's a lot of talent for the rest of that division. And they've got you know six games against them, mm -hmm. and it's going to be tough to pick up more than a couple of wins. I think maybe you pick up a couple at home and you sneak out one on the road, but we'll see. I'm still a skeptic, yeah. and they're still the New York Jets the same way. The Mets are on fire right now. Exactly. I'm still a skeptic exactly. because they're the New York. So we a little surprised Jermaine's the only Noel off the board? No. Yeah. I no. mean, uh, like, you, you had Jay Sean Corbin, who, who was the only, probably the most shocking. Yeah, I, I thought someone there. would take a flyer on Jay Sean as a depth guy. But he's a running back. I mean, like, we talk about teams have different, they, they like different things. Running backs, especially in the later rounds, they're, they're all the same. I don't know. Like, they're going to. They're going to be good for a couple of years. He did sign an undrafted deal with the Giants. There was 
a bunch of other deals uh, between um, undrafted free agent deals and minicamp invites. I'm not shocked. Uh, Kier Thomas, I, I, I think he can be an NFL player. Uh, but did, everything that happened leading up in his last year at Florida State and then in all the pre-draft stuff, he just wasn't in the right space to be drafted. It wouldn't shock me if Corbin and or Thomas catch on with an NFL team this year and, and play some snaps in their career. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I'm actually a little more surprised. Uh, Marquis Bell from FAMU doesn't go. Uh, right. That's uh, the He's with the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah was... I, oh, I'm th- great landing spot. For yeah, him. absolutely. But, but yeah, stinks for him. I mean, FAM hasn't had somebody drafted since 2013. I knew, I know they thought that this was probably going to be the year. But listen, Marquis is a good kid, great player. Jay Sean, great kid, great player. Uh, they'll find roles somewhere. So Absolutely. good for both of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I was keeping keeping my eye out for, for Bell on, on day three. I would suck that it didn't happen. I will say, local sports guy, in your television DMA, a Valdosta State Blazer was picked. So there you go. Oh, there you wow. go. There, there you, you go. go. Who was it? Um, well, cornerback. Uh, I know a couple other pieces as well getting signed. I know uh, Leandre Gallimore got okay. signed to the Falcons. All right. So th- that'll be a great piece for them. But, uh, but yeah, listen, don't, don't sleep on a... Kenny Moore out of yeah. Indianapolis is a Valdosta State Blazer. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that. So, yeah, I, I think all those pieces are great. And the fact that you've got Christian Matthew going to the Cardinals in the seventh round, good for them. Yeah. Good for those guys. I love, love seeing that. Um, real quick, uh, let's go through winners and losers. Let's get one winner and, and, and one loser. Andrew, we'll, we'll start with you. Well, my winner is going to have to also be another New York team, New York Giants. Giants had a good draft. Giants too. had a great draft. And as far as losers... I think, in my mind, the Packers. I feel like the Packers kind of missed out there when they just used both first-round picks on defensive players. You know, you bring back Aaron Rodgers. You bring him back, you let Devontae Adams walk, and then with him being such... With that franchise, with him being such a question mark, I suppose, moving forward, it's hard to not give him any options. What I will say about the Packers, because they were going to be my losers too, um, it's it's that I I really appreciate their process in drafting. It's something they've stuck to. They've had a lot of success Mm. over the last, really, the history of their franchise. Um, I I know there's only one Super Bowl with Rodgers, but right now, if I'm that front office, my goal is to keep Aaron Rodgers as happy as possible. You've got him. Correct. You know, you look at Tom Brady going into age 45 season, right? Like, you could have Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's going to play that long because I don't think he wants to. No. But you want to get all the juice out of Aaron Rodgers that you can while he's still there. And even if that's straying away from your traditional drafting uh, policies or guidelines that you've been following for years, I think that's warranted. And so I think the, the direction they went in this draft is definitely going to... I don't know if... I mean, Rodgers is going to be back, but, like, they just traded away Devontae Adams. You look at that receiving core. I mean, who they got? Randall Cobb and the guy out of North Dakota State they drafted in the second round. Randall Cobb, approximately 65 years old. Yeah, exactly. So I just... I I, I don't love it. And the fact that... I don't know what the conversations are internally, but you can't... I mean, Aaron Rodgers is already talking about the draft. He was actually defending them a little bit on the Pat McAfee show. Um, but just it, it feels like I felt this last year and even the year before, but it feels like this is probably it for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay unless something drastically changes. I think so, too. Well, and they'll just give him another bajillion dollar contract and then he'll complain about why they don't have any cap space. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is also another reason why I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers guy. I, I really think he is a career uh, 
Not a winner. Just not a winner, in my opinion. Okay. Not a winner. Right. Um, now, I do have someone who come out of the... Not a winner, not a loser. I think just a, a okay draft. That one's going to go to the Steelers. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, what do you think on Kenny Pickett? I think Kenny Pickett is going to be a very mediocre quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is what the Pittsburgh Steelers need. I don't think that we get more than maybe five weeks of Mitchell Trubisky at the starting helm for the, okay. for, for the Steelers because I don't think that he's going to be any better than what we saw under Matt Nagy and in Chicago. I, I just I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is a great quarterback. I don't think he can be. How about I just give you guys a loser? Yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> this draft just screams team that doesn't – that I, I'm not going to say is getting set to tank – but, uh, I mean, they don't think Desmond Ritter's their quarterback of the future. And Drake London. Drake in the top London's 10. an okay wide receiver. I get he was evaluated well, but why, why are you reaching in a non, non have top a heavy receiver yeah. draft like that's for the piece. Marcus Mariota to throw to? Right. Like, that's <laughs> like, the piece. If you still got Matt Ryan, those years you're trying to just get that last offensive weapon, like, oh, we can get Drake London. He's going to be a yeah, playmaker. Yeah, no, no one's, no one's going to forgive you, or no one's going to begrudge you for right. reaching there but I'll, I'll absolutely begrudge you for reaching here for marcus Mariota or desmond ritter to throw to you yeah and that's no disrespect to desmond ritter who i liked watching play in college but yeah uh nothing about the falcons draft did it for me i can at least point to jacksonville's mid-rounds and think they did pretty well yeah um but yeah I feel the same about the Patriots. I, I definitely feel like I can point to some of our mid to later rounds and be like, all right, you know, all right, let's see what happens. Because with Bill and the way that that team drafts, it's the mid to later rounds that you always need to keep an eye out for, which is which is always a fun part about the draft. I, I really liked Baltimore's draft. Kyle Hamilton they always draft at 14. Well. That, that, I really love the way that organization is run. I mean, he is just an all-around, just great safety, great defensive player. And then you get Linderbaum later on i mean those are just those just feel like two home run picks like those feel like if i'm a fan of that team and i'm thinking like who are some studs that we can realistically get and they got them both you know and i, I like it i like the way that organization is run and I, and I think they won the draft and i gotta go with the packers as well and i, and I explained some of those reasons and we'll see how it goes i mean they're still gonna win the nfc north most likely and probably aaron Rodgers is gonna put up another mvp caliber season but who knows? Like, who knows if that's enough, what they've done to, to get them back into the Super Bowl. They've only ever been to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and they won it. And you think about it, that was over 10 years ago. Correct. And so it feels like we're in a completely different era of the Packers now than the beginning of the Aaron Rodgers tenure. And I just don't think they've got it. No, I don't think so either. But that's absolutely my point when I say Aaron Rodgers is not a winner. Because yeah. it has indeed been 10 years. Yeah. Football's the ultimate team sport. Doesn't have, doesn't have time for divas at the most important position. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, talk some NBA and NHL playoffs, as well as Florida State baseball and softball, who are inching closer towards the end of their regular seasons. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. And we're back here on Tomahawk Talk. We had some uh, zone with the music playing during the break. but Death of a Seagull. Who's the artist? Uh, uh, it does not list an artist. It just says, oh, Death of a Seagull. Uh, I can't seem to, even reading the... Oh, I see it. It's a... Camera Obscura, camera on their That's record. a great band name. And Death of a Seagull is a is a that's a strong that's a bold track choice. On their record, the sweetest thing. Um, so yeah. Oh, there. Nothing yeah. <laughs> says sweet like the Death of the Seagull. So, I, I wonder what killed it. Video killed the Seagull star. Possibly. Right. I reached. I'm or, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's on me. Maybe Giannis Antetokounmpo reached up and just grabbed it. That, I, that is how tall I, he is. I think we're gonna yeah we're gonna move into the NBA playoffs on that note. He's like hard pivot, hard pivot. <laughs> 
We are into the second round. It was all chalk in the first round. Oh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, okay, so my, my takeaway from that is the, the regular season very much does matter in the NBA. And you look at, and I think the best case study for that is what happened to the Brooklyn Nets this year. Uh, they come in, they have to play in the play-in tournament, which I still have mixed feelings about. I think I kind of like it. And uh, after assembling this super team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, uh, you had one player you had to trade away because he wanted out. Another player that barely played in any regular season games because of his vaccination status. And all of a sudden, you find yourself playing the number two seed, Boston Celtics, in the first round. Something that if you had kept those three together even with some health issues spread out throughout the season, you're not going to be a seven seed. And you're going to probably play on home court against, uh, I don't know, a Bulls team, a maligned Bulls team, or a Toronto Raptors team that was very beatable in the playoffs. Mm. They get the Celtics, and they get swept. So is this Nets experiment, is, is it over now? It should be. I think it absolutely should be. I mean, the, the Celtics, not only did they sweep them and make them look terrible, they made them look awful. I mean... Just outside of that, the Celtics proved that during the regular season, especially, it's so, so vitally important to lock in during the second half of the season. Find your groove defensively. Find those find those matchups that work for you. Because they did play the Nets a lot in the regular season. They saw them a lot. And they knew what they were getting when they went into that series. That's why I think it was just not... Uh, going into that series, I just want to say... Boston Celtics fan here. I expected this week. And, and the, the Celtics are very good, right? Like They, they are very Absolutely. much deserving of the two seed, and it wouldn't have shocked me if these two teams met in the conference semis in this round or in the conference finals if the Celtics would have won. And I think it would have been a fair result. But the fact that the Nets had to get to the play-in tournament and then got handed the Boston Celtics in the first round, that would not have happened if, if one of Kyrie Irving had played every game because he was incredible right. every time he took the floor, and they just didn't get him until late in the season. I think my best feeling about the Brooklyn Nets and that big super team and all of that, especially now that it's all said and done, is that's it. That's like my best summation of looking at that team and watching those games. Like, this this is what I heard about? Are you, are you kidding me, right? You know? It just, they just were so underwhelming to me. Because I, I don't think it's the end of the, I don't know, the super team, like, that has happened forever in the NBA and that really people didn't start noticing it until... I don't know, you look at the Celtics and then the, the Heat, but... So, I have a slightly different take on that. Okay. I, I don't think it's the end of the... Here's the thing. Any team that's got enough stars to win an NBA title is going to be a quote-unquote yeah. super team. But it's... I mean, let's face it. It's usually pretty well-defined. It's a number one, a number two, a number three. Like, mm -hmm. it's not a number one, number one, number one, the way we've seen tried to put together in the NBA over the last decade. You can do two big dogs, I think. I, and, and I would agree with that, too. I think Shaq and Penny would be a great example of that. Mm. Um, Shaq and Kobe. Yeah, Shaq LeBron and Kobe's and AD, another one. Yeah. LeBron but, and Kyrie. Yeah, and, and I, th I think that's more than fair. But I think the age of going to a super team for the sake of making a super team, we're watching it die in front of our very eyes. Because we, we saw the attempt in Los Angeles about 10 years ago. The, mm -hmm. the, the Nash, Howard, Kobe <laughs> failure that was those Los Angeles Lakers. And I don't think enough people saw it as a warning sign in that you cannot make a super team for the fact of it makes you look cool or it's good for your brand. It's the reason the Lakers are failing right now. LeBron went to Miami to win. Like, listen, I despise the Miami Heat with every fiber of my being. Mm. Like, the blue and white pinstripes run in these veins. 
but I will forever, I'll never knock them for going together because they went together to win. What is it? Not one, not two, not three. They made a business decision that we're going to do this to win titles. LeBron went to Los Angeles so he could go be a movie producer. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how, how's that turning out? Uh, you know, KD went to, ran to the big market because he was going to be a star in New York. How's that working out for him? Kyrie went to the Nets because he's insane. Um, so, you know, if you're not making the quote-unquote super team for the right reasons because the age of player empowerment to the NBA has led to big egos and and fractured feelings, you, you better still have that dog in you if you're going to make a super team. Because if not, it ain't going to work. The, I mean, these teams are so fragile. You look what's happening to the Lakers again now as they try to add just every veteran piece available to mankind yeah. to, I don't know, appease LeBron and bring bring his friends in, or, I mean, maybe he was the one making when, those decisions. When, when is Ty Lue moving to the other side of the building? Yeah, I mean, exactly, I exactly. And then you see the Nets, who was literally Harden, I don't know, he got frustrated and wanted out, and they trade him to, to Philadelphia, and in return, uh, they get Ben Simmons, and I think that guy's going through a lot, and he's probably deeply unwell, but he's not the, if I'm a team competing for an NBA championship, He's not the guy that I'm looking to trade for. Uh, you get him, and you have Kyrie Irving, who played in 29 regular season games uh, because of his vaccination status, and it's just so fragile. And I'm a little surprised it's that many games. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it took a, it took a, the, the mayor stepping in to really save the New York Yankees to get Kyrie Irving able to, to play in those games so that the Yankees could play against the Blue Jays as they're, you know, trying to compete in this division. Uh, but it's it's just so fragile. And you look at how teams, and I've said this before, um, like Ryan said, if you've got the superstars, you can win an NBA championship. But you look at the teams like a Phoenix, like a Milwaukee, uh, like even a, like Boston at this point. Absolutely. Uh, that are just built. You've got one or two homegrown pieces, plus you bring in the role players that you need and maybe one big free agent. That, I think, is the new recipe. And you look at the Miami Heat are doing. The guys they've drafted, the guys they brought in, and then you add Jimmy Butler. Okay, now this team is good enough to, to go to the finals, a team that could win a finals. You look at, at um, what the Bucks have done. Obviously, you draft Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're probably going to have a good basketball team. I think the, the recipe for an NBA championship is changing, and it's changing for the good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because I think... Those super teams are eventually, you know, they are dying out right now. And I think it's bad for the league. I think anyone, I, I, a lot of people have claimed this before me. I'm not the first to say this, but I do think it's bad for the league because it, it makes it harder to follow teams. You eventually get to a place where you're following players rather yeah. than your team. And it makes it hard to be but loyal to But I feel like that's what you're doing in the age of a super team regardless. And I, I, I love the breakup because... You can actually, you know, I, David Hale from ESPN made a point about college football today that I think is really true in the NBA. You have to be able to sell hope to a majority of your fan bases. And for the last decade of NBA basketball, you haven't been able to do that. You go into a season with 85% of the league disqualified from even sniffing the second round of the playoffs. I've always said a healthy league, you have your championship contenders, you've got your rebuilding teams, and you need that healthy group of just middling teams. Hey, we might make a run this year. And on your best night, be... you better bring it, because exactly. they'll beat you. And th that hasn't existed in the NBA. It's been the haves and the have-nots. That's why 
Last year's finals were so much fun. That's why the conference finals were so much fun. I love the fact that we're spreading the wealth around and this is becoming a league of parody again. Just because, you know, it. Uh, to your point, the fact that it's a league of players and not teams, I don't like that. I, I would much rather this be a league of teams, a league where Phoenix has just as much of a shot as the same five big market squads over and over and over again. I can only see so much Los Angeles. I can only see so much Miami. What's the point of being Minnesota? It makes What's basketball. the point of being Charlotte? What's the point of being Orlando? What's the point of trying? I like the fact that we now have an NBA that shows you can try and succeed. Absolutely. It really does make basketball so much more enjoyable to keep up with from top to bottom. I mean, I really haven't been able, at least... In, in prior years, it's been harder for me to really f become full invested into a season, even as a Celtics fan, even when we were having these good years. You know, the year that Kyrie was there, I just, I, I really couldn't buy into it as much as I felt like I could in the past. Yeah, and, 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 and like uh, as an adopted uh, Toronto Raptors fan, uh, it was really fun this year. It was like, oh, they're fighting for a playoff spot. Who knows? Maybe they can even get home court in the first round. They made it in. They had a valiant effort. You had a banged-up Scotty Barnes, thanks to Joel Embiid, who's now also on the shelf. And, uh, you know, they forced the, the 76ers to six games, and it was it was fun to follow them. And maybe next year they'll get past the first round. Who knows? Or maybe they'll be in the play-in tournament. I kind of like that, that health of a league where you've got these teams that are just, they're not rebuilding, but they're not going out. They're not expected to win the title every year. And it feels like that's what the NBA has been. I think we're moving away from that. You're, you're even still seeing Golden State competing again, and you, you look at them, and without Kevin Durant, this is a group of homegrown talent on that Golden State team bar like Bielitsa and uh, Andrew Wiggins and like Otto Porter. The guy, the rest of that core is homegrown with Golden State, and I like seeing that. And I love the fact that in the NBA now, you can now view games and series in a vacuum again. And this is no shot on LeBron James, who's obviously one of the greatest to ever play. But the fact that he's been out of the picture for a while now, at least in terms of the top elite tier of basketball, it's so fantastic to after every game that's played in the NBA playoffs, it doesn't immediately become a 48 hours of, well, what does this do for his legacy? Well, but it still and, happens. And, and how does this happen? Oh, it's still happens. Networks. Oh, <laughs> it still happens. Oh, it, it still happens, but... It's in the background because you could say, yeah, yeah, shut up. The Celtics are on. <laughs> or, or, yeah, that, that, that's great. I'm having a good time watching Phoenix. I, I, don't, I don't really care. I mean, that's what I always said anyway. But. <laughs> but, but it's just look at it this way. There are ways to escape it now. Absolutely. It's much easier on a broader landscape. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move into more Florida State sports. Florida State softball had a weekend sweep against the Oklahoma State Cowboys or Cowgirls, I guess. They Cowgirls. Were, yeah, Cowgirls for softball. A 2-1 to one win in nine innings, and then another 2-1 to one win on Friday. Uh, Ryan, what's it going to take for this team, who's been incredible from start to finish this season thus far, uh, to get back to the Women's College World Series and to win another ring? Do exactly what you're doing right now. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's that simple. I, you know, I, I did a weekend recap on our 5 o'clock news uh, today about FSU softball, and I started it. I started writing it, and I was like, Florida State softball swept this weekend. And then I thought about it. I was like, is that really even news at this point? Mm. Like, like th this team continues to find ways. It continues to get things done. And the fact that you can sit there and watch them and you can just feel it. You can just feel, oh, yeah, we're down a couple runs. But that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll make our move. 
the fact that it's it's an it's a certainty that Florida State at some point is going to put the fear of God into the other team in the other dugout if they're trailing. It is a certainty that if they've got a lead, there's a great chance they're not going to blow it. It is a certainty that they're going to have that inning where they explode. It is a certainty that they're going to have good pitching. It is a certainty that they're going to do the little things right. They're not going to throw the softball all, all around the yard. They do all the little things right, and they've done it against some of the best competition softball has to offer. The ACC is a much better league. Lonnie is still scheduling out of conference. Super, super tough, as evidenced by the Pokes even coming here yeah. for this two-game series. So, uh, you know, I, I look at Oklahoma, and I understand Oklahoma's great, and they hit all these home runs. They've got a big test this weekend because they play Oklahoma State in the Bedlam series. But I also see a team that coming into this weekend has played seven RPI top 25 games. Florida State's played in the 20s. Yeah. They've played tough team after tough team after tough team, and they've almost beat every single one of them, save for Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, 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 I hate to say, because baseball and softball are the same on top of just being similar rules, and the, the fact that they're just cruel, and they're mean, and they'll break your heart, and they're not always fair. But boy, for a growing sport to continue to keep growing, I sure do hope we're on a Florida State-Oklahoma collision course. I sure do hope that's what we're getting here because, boy, that's what this sport deserves. And Florida State's really becoming one of the premier brands in all of college softball. And a big reason for that is now one of the, I don't think she is the most uh, longest tenured coach of Florida State, but Lonnie Alameda, who we've seen a lot of transition in recent years. You see Coach Sue Semeral retire, Mark Krikorian resigns. A lot of the old guard is left, that's but she's good, there. That's a good question. Who is the longest tenured? Well, I think it, it would be Chris Poole, right? Yeah, or how long has uh, has Trey um, over at men's golf? Trey, yeah, Trey's been there a while, too. Uh, it's the, the, the point is, yeah. the, the culture that she's established... And you look at players like Sidney Sherrill, who there was a great uh, profile done on her in the Tallahassee Democrat, uh, Catherine Sandercock that they bring in. She's my personal favorite. Just her smile on the mound after a big strikeout is like enough to make your weekend. Uh, this is a really fun team, a really good team. And to have them as one of, like you said, in a growing sport, it's great on TV. They do great numbers in Clearwater. The Women's College World Series is going to do great numbers on television. To see Florida State at the forefront of that, while this sport is growing, it's really fun to watch. Well, what I, what I appreciate about the way that Lonnie runs her program, because there there is so much talk about, oh, they're so loose and they're so happy and they have such a good time. And all of that is true, but it all goes back to the Uncle Ben principle. With great power comes great responsibility. With all the freedom that's allowed and all, you better be locked in. You better be ready to go. And with all that freedom and with all that ability to joke around and laugh and have a good time comes the idea that you better be locked in every single day in practice. Yeah. Comes the idea that you better not take any of this for granted. Because if you do, guess what the smiling becomes? Gosh, why are they smiling like this? Why are they doing this? We're down four runs. Blah, blah, blah. They back it it, it up, comes though. with a culture of responsibility. And that's what separates that program from so many other, not just in softball, but in college sports. The fact that they're all so competitive, they're all so locked in, but at the same time, they understand to enjoy the moment. Yeah. And that's why the moment never seems too big for them, because they're never tensed. They're, I mean, I'm sure they get nervous deep down, but they, they do their best to make everything seem routine. Every, this is just another game. And you hear that cliche in college sports and professional mm -hmm. sports 
all the time, but the fact that they live it makes them so successful. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the, how the rest of their season goes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, they're, they're pretty close to postseason play here. They've got Florida this coming Wednesday here in Tallahassee. NC State and then the and ACC then they go to tournament. Raleigh, and we're in tournament play. So let's shift on over to Dick Hauser Stadium as Florida State baseball took two of two from TCU and one of the biggest uh, non-conference uh, series in, in Tallahassee in recent years for baseball. Um, Sunday, they were off to a lead, but you know ultimately it was ruled a no contest after the rain came, and TCU had a travel curfew on Sunday. They were not able to complete that one, but ultimately, even despite that, a very successful weekend for Florida State baseball. Florida State baseball, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just about to say, it's a huge step in the right direction. You know, it, if it's a little too late, that 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 may be the case but that was a big momentum win couple of wins rather even though as we said earlier you know mother nature shut us down for that last game you know leaving that you know leaving that series i can't imagine that their heads were held any lower you know it it, it definitely was a step in the right direction for the program especially at this point in the season you know it i feel like Florida State Baseball is one of those teams that makes me really miss having a daily radio show mm. because there's never a shortage of talking points because you're never quite sure what you're going to get one weekend to the next. Yeah. You, you, you can go to Clemson and lose to a team that's, you know, objectively a bubble squad, not very good, and Monty Lee's probably coaching for his job. Big series loss for them against Louisville for his job security. But then they can go right out against a TCU squad that just took two or three from Oklahoma State, one of the Omaha contenders, one of the top eight teams in the country, and you make them look silly. And your ace throws 14 strikeouts, which, by the way, fellas, we've hit May. We've got one last full month of Parker Messick. Let's let's enjoy it because he's a star. He's unbelievable. He doesn't have the best stuff on the squad, I don't think, but he's got the best mindset. He's completely unfazed no matter what you throw at him. I mean, how? How do you go and shut down an offense like that? A, a, a top twenty team. He seems a to do better. Thirty RPI teams. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well, well that, and I think that's the thing. If you're sitting at home, that frustrates you so much. Yeah. This is Florida State's seventh straight win against the top twenty-five, and it's certainly not their seventh straight win period, because uh, yeah, you blew two games at Clemson that you should have won. And, and and that's what I think when you're sitting at home and you're watching this team. And, I mean, now that we pretty much have it to where you can watch every single game of a Power 5 college baseball season, that's what makes you sit and just clutch your fists and go, come on, what are we doing here? Because, let's let's face it, there's not a whole lot of Florida State fans probably feeling 100% confident they're winning that midweek in land against Stetson tomorrow. No, You're do. probably worried about the Boston College series. That's what kills you about this baseball team. Can you go out and take care of business against the teams you're supposed to take care of? That's great that you're taking two from TCU, but you eliminate it when you lose to Mercer and JU and you get swept by, no. well, I mean, Notre Dame's a great squad, but when, you know, you wasted Parker Messick's awesome pitching performance against the Irish, Mm -hmm. you know, I just hope that the run support continues to be there because you know the frontline arms are going to be there. The bullpens may be a little shaky, even though Wyatt Crowell was fantastic in this Saturday game. Uh, The run support has to continue to be there. It's just too feast or famine. And when it happens too many times, you can't just, quote-unquote, that's baseball it away. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like th- that's the thing here is is that you have to be more consistent. And if you are, this is a team that you know. To, to your point, it's not too late. You're an RPI top ten squad right now. Yeah. And that's exactly what that committee's going to be looking at. RPI, you've got a top five strength of schedule that'll probably take a hit this week with Stetson and BC, but. You know, all things considered, if you win every series from here on out, even if you're not great in the ACC tournament, you've got a 16 seed. If you make some noise, you might be a top eight. But you could just as easily see this team as a three seed in Hattiesburg because you never know what you're going to get with them. Absolutely. I've never seen a super regional here in Tallahassee since I've been here. I'd love That's to see it. That's insane to me. And uh, it, it's been it's been a while. Uh, you know, we had the regional here a couple of years ago. But um, so you weren't here for the seventeen super? No, I was fall of seventeen is when I came, wow. came to town. Wow. So you just missed yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it, you've got Miami coming up still on the schedule. That's a tough series. A very good team. This team, though, in my opinion, is objectively better than last year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. the, the pieces last year, bringing in guys like Jordan Carrion to really sure up the defense. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I was the big... I was, Thanks, Sully. I was a tender to say to support her for as long as I could be. Uh, but, it, you know, it got it got real tired real quick kind of watching him just miss ground ball after ground ball and air mail throw after throw at shortstop. And, you know, I, I, I wish the kid the best. I work for a TV it. station. I've got to be an adult now, yeah. so I'll just no comment this. <laughs> He's over at the University of Missouri, and I haven't checked in on him, but I'm sure he's, he's doing He's played fine. well for Mizzou. Okay. Good for him. And nice kid. Yeah, I mean, never, definitely. Never anything personal against the kid. Maybe just, you know, throw to first every now and then. But to bring Jordan Carey on in has been an, an immediate upgrade. And Alex Terrell. Especially now that he's figured it out of the dish. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely really coming alive. Alex Terrell, who is probably the epitome of that, like, uh, feast or famine when you're talking about <laughs> guys on the plate. But he's a guy that I'd like to have on the squad going into postseason play. And this is a team that, like you said, when it's all firing all cylinders, it's a top five team in the country with that pitching staff and with the talent they have. And so we know there's going to be a lot of randomness once you get into postseason play in college baseball. This is a roster that, if we're rolling the dice, I'd like to roll the dice with this roster because this is a team that, on the backs of Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard and Carson Montgomery and even Ross Dunn, once he starts getting things figured out again, plus guys like Wyatt Crowell and Connor Whitaker and Jonah Scalaro out of the bullpen, this is a team I'd like to roll the dice with, well, and they can make a run to Omaha. Well, there's a belief inside this clubhouse that this is a team built for the postseason because of its frontline pitching. Mm. Because, you know, if if you're playing Florida State at home in a Super Regional and Messick's going on Friday, good luck. You mm. know, as, as long as the offense is finding a few bats every now and then and you get just a few runs of support, good luck. And at that point, are you re- do you really want to take your chances to have to go 2-0 and against Hubbard and Montgomery? Mm-hmm. Do you really want that? Yeah, maybe, maybe not what you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. we got about a minute left here on air, and uh, NHL playoffs, I'm watching Bolts and, and Maple Leafs right now in the first period. I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, Ryan, I know... You know, you're a Ducks fan, and, uh, you, you know, the, the season... Longest postseason drought in franchise well, history. As you were expecting, but, I mean, what's your what's your quick pick for, for who's going to be hoisting the Stanley Cup? I want it to be the Panthers. I, I, I want it to be Florida so bad. I just I just feel like that's a great story. Them or Carolina. Apologies. I, I think Carolina would be an awesome story, too. I'm, I'm rooting for either of those two, and I'm rooting for a quick Kings exit. How about that? <laughs> that's fair. I, I would have to say I could see the Panthers doing it, but just like you want the Canes, deep down, I really want the Boston Bruins to ride this train all the way, injuries and all, troubles and all, shaking my fist at Don Sweeney while we hoist that cup, Bruins all the way. 
it doesn't feel like the Lightning is year to three Pete. Uh, it's been an Let's up and down not. season. Um, I'd love it, but they've got a tough road to hoe. I mean, thinking about just getting out of the East. I'd love to see Edmonton make a run. I don't know how likely that yeah, is. Yeah, let's keep the drought going. Yeah. Let's keep the drought going. Um, I, you know, I have, Prove I have, something I have no ill will against the Oilers. Um, the Panthers, it, it does feel like that. But I just remember when the Lightning, it was their, you know, it was their crowning achievement. They won the President's Cup and were like, all right, onwards and upwards. And they crash out in the first round. So you, I think Panthers, I want to see Panthers fans suffer a little bit more. You, you, can, you can tell Brett is a guy who has always had his series called by the NBC folks. <laughs> because as a fan of a West Coast team, that even though Anaheim is technically the L.A. market, it is Anaheim on its own, which qualifies as a medium to small market team. So even when the Ducks were at their best, when you had Kessler, Getzlov, Perry on the same mm -hmm. squad, when we mercilessly lost Game 7 to the Blackhawks in that Western Conference Final, those early conference series, when we play a Canadian team like a Winnipeg or a, even an Edmonton, we always got the Sportsnet broadcast mm. where you would think we don't exist. And old Connor McDavid, take a look at what he's done here. Oh, oh, uh, I'll never forget when we swept Winnipeg in the first round of, I want to say that was 14? It was 14 or 15. And y you would have thought that, you would have thought Winnipeg one and two. <laughs> you would have thought we'd have just forfeited the last two games. Oh, isn't this crowd so loud? Oh, oh, oh! I mean, they're here to support this team that's lost five nothing. But oh, it wouldn't believe. Yeah, it's just it's insufferable, and I get it. Canada loves hockey. I've got nothing against Canadians. I love Canadians, but dadgummit, we were the best team in the Western Conference for four years and we won nothing we won nothing and for our troubles we had to hear about how great Connor mcdavid was despite the fact he couldn't beat us so yeah that's what i, know. I just want the panthers fans like they're yeah i'm better about it team what, like i know the lighting like in that chase to get back to their second you know, get their second stanley cup there were a few years of suffering in the playoffs and i think panthers fans i think every hockey fan probably needs to go through that before they get the the, the joy uh, that adrenaline rush of watching yeah, get some of that Vegas Bruins, get some of that yes, the definitely. Bruins are about to go through a really bad dry period so I'm just hoping this last ride's a good one all right well that's going to do it for us this week thank you guys for tuning in big thanks to Ryan Kelly and Andrew Larkin for coming on the show tonight and of course our producer Jack Oliaro who is producing remotely this evening if you missed any of the show tonight or need to catch up on previous shows just search Tomahawk Talk wherever you get your podcast you are listening to WVFS Tallahassee the voice of Florida State